Mac Power Users, Episode 675, Cruising with CarPlay. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. I am here today in January talking to my pal, Stephen Hackett. How are you today, Stephen? I'm good, David. How are you? Oh, man. I, I, I get optimistic in January. Can't help myself, man. Can't help it. Except right now I'm surrounded in stuff. I took all my stuff out, laid it all on the floor, got some bins out. And right now my, uh, my room looks like a bomb went off. But it's going to be beautifully organized in 12 hours. You sent me a picture. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in here. I like the, I like the bins that are labeled and bins that are clear. Yes. You, you know, you can see what's going on. Oh, yeah. You got a lot Me? of bags. There's a lot of bags in this photo. Yes, sir. and this is after the first culling because <laughs> I've already sent a bunch away, and there's still more. Yes, I get it. I, I can never make fun of my wife for buying purses because I have too many bags. But yeah, but I have been uh, I've I've been doing a good job of getting rid of them. I'm giving them to friends and and just getting them out of here, keeping the couple that I love and. Uh, and uh, I'm a reformed man, Stephen. If they don't fit in these <laughs> bins, it's not staying. That's what I've decided. I like it. January is a good time for that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that's not why we're here today. We're here today to talk about our automobiles and our Apple technology. Yeah. Yeah. They they have become more and more entwined. Uh, <laughs> before we get to that, I have a, a little, just a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, I wanted sure. to remind people about our new feedback form. There's a link in the show notes, but it's relay.fm slash MPU slash feedback. And uh, you can send us short form feedback there. Social media is kind of fading for us. And uh, of course you can always, there's always email. There's always the forms, uh, but this is our preferred way moving forward. And uh, I know we talked about it on the show last week and I've, we've already gotten some messages in there, which is really cool. And uh, so thank you for checking it out. And uh, if you want to get in touch, that is a, a great way to do it. Yeah, and the second thing is from our power users today. Uh, Steven sent me a screenshot a few days ago of his screen. You know, that screen where it says transferring your information, mm-hmm. like it's grabbing a backup and restoring a computer, and just kind of made me sad. You know, something went wrong, and he hasn't told me any details. <laughs> but we're going to get into that today, more power users. We're going to hear how the former Apple genius got to a position where he had to do a nuke and pave on his computer. Cause I actually want to know this. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be talking about that today on more power users. Let's just say that I'm recording this on my laptop. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, still, so it's still underway. Yikes. <laughs> it's, it is still underway. So, so your computers are the uh, digital equivalent of my studio right now with stuff all over the place. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. But you didn't lose any data, right? Uh, no, no, I got backups on backups, so I yeah. should be all set there. Good man. Good man. I heard from a listener recently. I was at Disneyland as you do. And a listener bumped into me and, uh, uh, said she recognized my voice. That's how she found me. Whoa. Uh, uh, yeah. And she was telling me about how, uh, they had a big data, uh, problem at their house. And because she used all the Mac power users tricks of backup, the, they didn't lose any data. Her husband actually actually shook my hand, said, hey, you're a pretty cool guy. Usually the spouses hate me, but he liked me because <laughs> she saved the data. So there you go. Go back. If you're not backing up, gang, go listen to our mini episodes about backup. Make sure you're doing that. It made me feel good, though, you know? Yeah. You're, we're helping people, you know? Yeah, right. exactly. It's great. 
All right. So let's talk about cars and technology. I mean, generally, that's a bad idea, right? I mean, you're driving down the road 60, 70 miles an hour. You shouldn't be fiddling around with your phone. You should not be. And uh, if you want to play with CarPlay or the other things we're going to talk about in the show, do it in your driveway. That's what I say. Uh, yeah. When I was preparing for this over the last few days, I had my MacBook Air in the front seat of my truck and I had it in the driveway. I was like, let me go through every single setting in CarPlay, you know, like really yeah. make sure uh, we cover everything. Um, yeah. But these these technologies, you know, CarPlay and Android Auto and, and even like maybe the built-in stuff on, on Teslas or other vehicles – the idea is getting some of the stuff off your phone up onto the dash where your eyes don't have to move as far and you can, you know, easily get a hold of something. And, and we're going to talk a lot about how CarPlay's design, like Apple's philosophy of CarPlay, really is safety first. So we'll explore that as we go. Um, but we want to get that out of the way, right? Obviously, we don't need to be using our phones when we drive. And CarPlay is a way, Siri is a way to uh, to avoid that. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're listening to our show, you like technology, and I get it. And technology and car is fun. Both Stephen and I have have gone down the rabbit hole of CarPlay, but I actually think it, it makes me safer, and I'll explain why later. Uh, but Daisy and I play this game. You know, driving in Southern California, you, there's a lot of nutty people here, and the um, we often see cars on the freeways driving funny. Like you know, you're you see a car swerving, and then we'll like play this game. Is he on his phone? or doing his hair or what, you know, what's the deal, you know? So then we like get two or three lanes away and then pass and look and see who is right. And yeah. I can tell you 90% of the time it's their phone. Somebody has their phone they're you know, you know, changing the song or uh, I don't know what they're doing, but they're looking at their phone while they're driving at a very fast rate of speed. And inevitably they're like drifting in the lane and, um, you know, it just, I used to have friends that did, uh, uh, accident law and it's like, that was the first question in every deposition Were you on your phone, you know, and, and they can subpoena records and do all sorts of things these days. So it's really not a good idea to be on your phone. I mean, you're, you're putting yourself at risk and everybody else at risk and, and, and yeah. is it really worth it? You know, even it if like not. Sparky's droning on and you just can't take that podcast anymore. Mm-hmm. Just wait till you get off and then you can switch over to, yeah. you know, something cool, you know, but, <laughs> but just don't, uh, don't, don't get yourself killed because, you know, I talk too slow. <laughs> um, that's, that's what we're telling you, gang. That's, that's what we're, what we're telling, telling you. you. We want yeah. you to stay alive. That's what yeah, we're saying. We do. We love we you do. all. But, uh, so safety first, good, but let's talk about history of Apple and car, you know, because Apple had a device, a mobile device before the iPhone that people wanted to connect to their cars. You know, it was the iPod was, I think probably the beginning. I don't know if too many people were hooking up their, their Mac SEs to the car, but you know, the, uh, the iPod <laughs> certainly was popular. I man, you gave me a flashback. There was a, a time where it was very I don't know about very popular, but some people were like doing Mac minis in their cars. Yeah. What a yeah, time. I remember that. What yeah. a time. In the trunk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I have a little screen. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the iPod, right? That's the the first big thing. And depending on your age, right? Like you can gauge someone's age based on how they listen to music in their car. Like was it eight track? Was it tape? For me, my first car would play like factory CDs, like CDs you buy at Target or Best Buy, but would not play burn CDs because they were somehow oh different. <laughs> yeah, that's um, so fun. But yeah, the, the iPod is where Apple kind of entered the scene. And like way back in 2004, they had this program called uh, iPod Your BMW, where BMW was going to have 
a dock connector, little cable in the glove box, and that would have power and data, you know, to and from the iPod. And you can control sure. the iPod with the the head unit or the steering wheel controls, everything in the car. Yeah. Um, and I found this amazing page. I don't, if you're listening to this in the future, I don't promise this page will still be up because it has happened to me many times where I'm like, holy smokes, look at this, uh, this thing I found on apple.com and it drives a bunch of traffic to it and they take it down. Uh, but Apple still has this like iPod car integration page and it yeah. talks about FM transmitters and, you know, the, the dot connector cables. A lot of people use tape adapters, right? There were a lot of ways to get iPod audio into a car back in the day. Yeah, I, I had the tape adapter. It was um, a cable with a cassette tape attached to it and you stuck it in the cassette player. That was that was totally my jam for a long time. And, and then you were probably too young, but there was a while there where people would get CD changers in their trunk. You know, you get like a five CD mm-hmm. cartridge and you put it in your trunk and then you could access it from the dash. Yeah. But, but yeah, man, that that was that was a killer when the iPod could go through the cassette. I mean, it didn't sound very good, but it um it worked, it, you know, <laughs> it, and it gave you all your tunes. I mean, you know, and and it, <laughs> and it gave you something that uh, for the first time you could have like your whole music library with you in the car without burning yeah. or buying a bunch of CDs. Like remember those old um, like cases, and they had like a zipper around them, and you have all your CDs in them. Yep. Yep. And and then you would get like a new CD that the band started with C. And if you kept them alphabetically like I did, because I am who I am, you have to like reshuffle all of them one night. Nightmare. Yeah. Total well, nightmare. Well, youngster, I'm older than you. I I, I had <laughs> one of those cases for eight tracks. Yeah. So let's just, um, you know, and I'm sure there's listeners in the audience that, that, that remember that too. But it it is um it is kind of funny. But I was thinking, I think we have a new moniker for you. You know, Stephen Hackett, killer of old newsroom websites. Because right. I, I imagine you are the reason they get taken down. I think right? so. I mean, nobody pays attention to it. Then someone at Apple's like, "What? Why is everybody hitting this twelve-year-old yeah. or twenty-year-old website?" Mm-hmm. And then, then it's down. Well, it's a good thing you you copy it all out to Dev and Think. You know? that's, so that's right. I got the whole you preserve the history, the whole thing. Um, yeah. When the iPhone came along, some of that technology still worked. Right. The iPhone had a headphone jack. You could use yeah. a tape adapter. I think there were some like lightning or 30 pin dot connector, even on the old phones, like FM transmitters that worked, but yeah. eventually people wanted more. And Apple's first attempt at this was something called Siri eyes free. And it was announced. It's very hard to tell when this was announced, but I think it was in 2012. And basically you would have your phone either plugged into your car or connected via Bluetooth. And you could use the steering wheel controls to like, you hit the button and it would activate Siri and you would tell your car, Hey, call David. It would pass that through Siri, through the cable, through Bluetooth or whatever to the phone and then make the call through the car stereo. Yeah. yeah. Not many cars did this, but it was something, you know, it was a start. Well, I mean, I feel like Apple really, I mean, cause this was what about six years after the iPhone showed up and, um, or five years, but the, um, but I think Apple was a big part of the problem. I mean, there were more car accidents and people were dying because, you know, this irresistible thing in your pocket is still in your pocket when you get in your car. And, you know, I I really think that they had an obligation to do something. And um, if not legal, then moral. And so this was like a first st- stab at it. But it feels to me like this was always, this was never intended to be the final result. Mm-mm. And uh, very shortly after that, they announced iOS in the car. 
Yeah, this is what we now know as CarPlay, which is a much better name, I think. But yeah. uh, this was announced back with iOS 7, so it's been a long time now. And like this other stuff, it had a slow start. In fact, the first car that shipped with it was Ferrari, and Eddie Q is on the board of Ferrari, still is to this day, as far as I know. Uh, but it, let's just say it's trickled down since then. And now you can get it in in basically everything. In fact, the last number I could find was in 2021, 80% of new cars sold worldwide support CarPlay. Like it's it's completely taken over um, because it gives you, well, we'll talk about how it works, but it basically gives you a limited pared down iPhone experience on your dashboard, right? It's not just Siri. It's not just, you know, the, the tape adapter and you're just playing music. It gives you more of what your iPhone can do uh, when you're when you're driving. Yeah, and, you know, I guess we should say kind of as background for the youngsters, the opposite people of me, um, uh, historically, these in-car video screens were terrible. I mean, they just, the uh, the i the, the user interface of you know vehicles from very big companies looked like it was designed by a monkey that took an early lunch break. It just <laughs> you know they'd vomit buttons all over the screen and it did you know there there was no sense to it at all. So not only did you know uh, iOS in the car slash CarPlay show up to to make it easier to use your phone when you drive, they also rescued us from really terrible user interface. Yeah. And that hasn't changed that much. I mean, there's yeah. still uh, a lot of of jankiness out there. Um, and I like that Apple hasn't stood still on CarPlay. I mean, over the yeah. years, it's been out, I guess, now what? Um, what are you on? iOS 16 now? It's, yeah. been out, it's about 10 years, 11 years, something, 12 yeah, years. Yeah, 2012, yeah. It's, it's really come a, a long way. They have included some additional screens. One thing that really bothered me with the older versions of CarPlay is – the app running on your phone was tied to the app on the car screen. So say that you have the maps up and you ask your, and your spouse picks up your phone to do something, right? Then maybe they're going to send a message and they want to type. CarPlay would switch to the messages app because that's what yeah. the phone was doing. And a couple of years ago, they uncoupled that. It's like, thank, yeah. thank goodness. Um, but they've yeah. continued to improve it. And uh, I, I think it's a, clearly a, a critical part of, of their ecosystem at this point. Yeah. My, uh, my daughter recently bought her first car and it's a Toyota and I was with her cause as dads do. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I said, well, she definitely wants car play. And he's like, everything has car play. You yeah. know, it's like, like, why would I even ask that question kind <laughs> of thing? And, and, and I think that's true for most manufacturers at this point. And, you know, then on the other side of the fence, Android, what do they call it? Android. Um, yeah. Android auto. Android Auto, you know, they've got their own kind of version and pretty much everything supports that too. So, you know, no matter what you've got, you've got the ability to to plug it in. But but we're living in a world today where um, I think most people expect it. Um, uh, I am one of those guys who drives a car until the wheels fall off and then I kind of try and bolt them on and keep it going another year. Um, so I don't buy cars very often, but I know for me, uh, uh, CarPlay would be a condition of purchase. I would not buy a car that didn't have it at this point. Uh, I want to bring my operating system with me into the car. Yeah. Um, and Apple had statistics at some of the more recent WWDCs talking about how it is such a big deal for consumers that when they buy a new car that it has support for their phone. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, so they've kind of got the the big car manufacturers now where they don't really have a choice. Um, I've always wondered if we could talk to someone on the inside of these car companies. Is Were they – did they realize that they were terrible at UI or were they deluding themselves <laughs> into thinking they were good at it? I mean, no, I'm serious. You know how it is, like big yeah. companies – you're making millions of dollars a year and you just, you know, get your own little reality distortion field going. I, I would suspect a lot of them knew they were bad at it and having Apple and, and Google step in is almost a relief. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, our setups because I think that helps contextualize our, our conversation. Um, sure. My wife and I, we have two cars. Uh, I drive a 2015 Tacoma. It's a Toyota pickup truck. It did yeah. not have CarPlay in it. But I uninstalled basically the factory head unit, if you will, and put a Sony one in. A bunch of different companies make them. I picked Sony because at the time, most of these didn't have volume buttons, and I wanted a volume button <laughs> And uh, instead of just having to use the steering wheel controls. And uh, so the Sony I picked basically was because of that, because it had a volume button. Uh, but yeah. I've been very happy with it, and... My wife drives a 2020 Toyota Sienna, Toyota's minivan, and yeah. like the car your daughter bought, has CarPlay built in. And so it has the Toyota user interface, and it has its own maps and its own music player, and it's all basically terrible. And then there's a button you can press on their screen, and you go into CarPlay. And there are some differences in how CarPlay works across our two vehicles. We'll talk about that in a little while with what OEMs can do to CarPlay. Uh, But we have it in both of our cars. And I'm like you, uh, you know, whatever I buy next, like I I, CarPlay is a must for me. Yeah. Well, so I have a 2012 Ford uh, Fusion and uh, uh, I bought it new and uh, I love the car. It's been doing great, you know, getting 50 miles a gallon. So I'm happy. But the problem with it is that it came with. Ford Sync, which oh, was no. a Microsoft <laughs> collaboration. I actually have a Microsoft logo in my car, guys. When I get in my car, I look down, it says Microsoft. It was exactly as you would expect for something that they uh, they really didn't bring their full attention to. And uh, I literally got the blue screen of death on that screen several times. <laughs> I mean, like I'd be driving around the freeway and I look down and it's, it's the blue screen of death in my car. And I'm like, this isn't good, right? So uh, about six, seven years ago, when CarPlay was fairly new, I'd say two or three years after CarPlay came out, I, one day, I just out of giggles, I looked on the internet and said, you know, Ford 2012 CarPlay. And I found some manufacturer in like Tennessee, somebody who was making these things. Nice. And it was like a replacement head unit. But it also, because the problem was I had that sync thing. I couldn't turn the air conditioning on without having the computer there. So um, somebody had made one that was a CarPlay unit but also had the ability to do all the, the controls that sync would do like, mm-hmm. you know, AC and all the very, you know, set the clock and all that stuff. So, yeah. um, I bought one of those and, uh, unlike Steven, I, I, I had no ability to change that unit out. I mean, you give me a, you know, a hand plane and a chisel, I can do something, mm-hmm. but you, you open up a car. I'm, I'm going to, it's going to be worse when I'm done. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, so I just took it into a guy and, um, but it was nice being able to replace it. So I guess I would say if you're listening and your reason for not doing this because you have an older car, you should look into it because yes. now I, I, I just investigate as we were prepping for today's show. There's a lot of units now for my car 
that are a lot less expensive than what I paid, you know, six, seven yeah. years ago. And it's getting pretty easy. And they, they even have stuff. If you have a built in unit where you can like bolt it on and not even have to really go into the dash much. I, uh, I put a, a link in the show notes to a photo and uh, <laughs> I sent it to you as well of my truck halfway through my install. Cause I did it myself. I remember when you did it, I saw that. Yeah. I saw those pictures when you were in the process of doing it. Cause you, you did that fairly recently, like in the last three or four years, right? Yeah, well, I've had the truck five years, and okay. I had it. Ba- I did it basically right when I bought it. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, it's like a spaghetti wire. And I did one. I, I did one for my mom recently. My, my mom just bought uh, a new used vehicle, and it did not have CarPlay. I did the same thing. So like, went to the you know did some research. I like Crutchfield for these things. There's lots of companies that you know sell this sort of equipment. Like plugged in her make and model, and like, hey, this is what you need. Here's the wiring harness you need, and but yeah, if you're not comfortable with it, definitely pay somebody. But there's a lot of options out there to retrofit older vehicles. And man, it makes a car feel so much newer. And yeah. especially if you're a house like us with two vehicles, having uh, one of them have car playing the other was like, it's like a real bummer. Uh, and yeah. so having it both places is nice. Yeah. Well, and, and my point is if you've been waiting till the next time you buy a car, if you're like me, you don't buy new cars very often. Um, you may want to consider just upgrading because as, as we get through the show, you're going to hear there's a lot of nice features of this. Now, the last piece of the setup that I want to discuss before we move into, into what you can do with these things is uh, wired versus wireless. Um, uh, I uh, My unit is old enough that wireless wasn't an option, but I actually really like the wired connection. And uh, we ran the cable into, you know, my car, like a lot of cars, has a little like compartment under your elbow you know you lift a thing and you can put a thing in there well there's a cable inside there so when i get in the car i take the phone out of my pocket i plug it in i drop it into that thing and i shut the lid and uh, that gives me a couple of benefits number one is it's lightning fast see how i did that ah good by usbc what you did there yeah okay and then the second thing is um that it charges my phone every time i'm in the car so that, you know, I, my phone is just never really out of charge because anytime I go somewhere, I arrive there with a full charge. Yeah. And then the third thing is that it's much safer, right? I, I can honestly say I've never looked at my phone in my car because it's never in a place I can actually look at it. So, um, you know, we all say, don't, don't look at your phone, but you know, it's tempting, right? You get to long stops, stoplight or something, you may be tempted, well, I'm not tempted because I've got to like dig for my phone if I want to get to it. So uh, I find that really beneficial. And um, and I would uh, not say that a wired connection is a downside at this point. I think maybe it's a positive. Yeah, I mean, mine's wired as well. And there are some, actually a lot of products out there that you can like plug into the USB port and it acts as a wireless bridge so you can use wireless CarPlay. I've tried a couple of them over the years. I reviewed one of them, and I just I haven't found anything that that really worked as well as plugging a cable in. Now I have driven cars with wireless CarPlay. Uh, coming back from WBC, actually, I had to rent a car in Dallas and drive home because I flights canceled, and it had a wireless CarPlay. And, and these cars have uh, most new cars actually have wireless, like a wireless charging pad, maybe in that console like you described, or maybe by the cup holders or something, where you can sit your phone down yeah. and then use the wireless car play. Usually you have to pair it with Bluetooth or wireless first, but then it just happens automatically. But I don't have any 
complaints about using uh, a wire in the truck. It's no big deal. Uh, my phone sits in a cup holder, kind of upside down, jammed in there, so I can't see the screen. And yeah. uh, it totally works for me. Because I, I, if I'm in the car, I want to be charging anyways. And and if I had gone the route of one of those little wireless bridges, then I was also going to need to figure out a way to charge the phone. Because like, well, I'll just stick with the lightning cable. It's not a deal breaker, uh, but wireless CarPlay has come a long way. And uh, yes. I mean, using in that rental, it was, if I didn't know the difference... Like there was no lag or anything compared to the wired connection that I'm used to. I mean, totally the same experience, which which is pretty cool. Yeah, and and the the my daughter's new car it it's wireless and it works fine. But I made her promise to keep it in her purse if she's not going to plug it in. But yeah, honestly, with my kids, their phones are already ten percent. They need to plug them in anyway. Um, <laughs> so so the that's the kid rule. Their phones are never above ten percent. But the um. Yeah, so I I do think that you can get by with wireless, but um, I just kind of like the discipline of wired, and and I I really like arriving at wherever I'm going with a full charge, and uh, that's that's something you get from that. This episode of Mac Power Users is made possible by our friends over at One Password. One Password is the application that I trust for my passwords, my logins bank account information, notes, on and on. We live in a world where there, are, uh, every day it seems like a new service ends up being hacked, whether it's a social media platform, maybe it's another password manager. And this is where I like keeping up with 1Password's blog. Yes, they have blog posts about new features and things they're doing as a company, but they also address these things head on. And just last week, there was a great blog post about uh, an attack on 1Password, and what that would mean for data that they store. And I'm going to spoil it. It means that your data is still safe and secure because of the way they encrypt everything. Really interesting stuff, and honestly, really easy to understand it and follow along with. I love how 1Password communicates with its customers. So if you're an individual or a student, or you're a business, or you're in a family, whoever you need to share passwords and logins with, 1Password has an account type for you. Just go over to onepasswordcom slash MPU. There you can sign up for your trial. You can learn a lot more. And uh, that trial is 30 days, by the way. So you have plenty of time to move in, uh, start to use it, use it on all your devices, your Macs, your PCs, your iPhones, your iPads, your Android phone, whatever it is. And when you sign up, you'll get 20% off. Once again, that URL is onepasswordcom slash MPU. And there's a link in the show notes. Our thanks to 1Password for their support of the show. Okay, let's get into the basics of CarPlay. So, you know, you kind of mentioned it earlier, but what CarPlay is, it's a it's an alternate window into your iPhone's operating system. You know, it's a, Apple designed something to go on a screen in your car that will give you information you need while you're driving without hopefully distracting you and, and causing an accident. Like, um, you're not going to be streaming YouTube through CarPlay. No. That's not something that they're going to enable. But... Uh, you know, the most basically, right. You can see your maps and, uh, your radio controls and, and, you know, when you get a phone call, the screen mm-hmm. lights up it, it and it, it's all designed to be super simple. It's like the, the UI designers had their challenge was not, you know, let's figure out the best way to put dense information. Their challenge really was, I think let's eliminate all possible information except what they absolutely need and make yeah. it very easy for them to access it 
without taking their eyes off the road. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the phone really is the central point here. I mean, I've had family members get in my car and like they see, you know, Apple Maps or Google Maps doing it. Things like, oh, like, is that extra data for your car or whatever? It's like, no, like it's it's using the data from the phone. You know, it's LTE or 5G or whatever it's on at the moment. And you unplug your phone and none of that data resides on the head unit. I'm sure we've all been in like a rental car at some point. And it's like, do you want to sync your contacts? Like, no. No, I don't, because I don't want the next person who rents this minivan to, you know, have David Sparks phone number because, you know, maybe they're a they're, you know, person that shouldn't have David's phone number. And and so I like that everything is on the phone and the way it works behind the scenes, basically, is the phone is projecting a video stream out to the car, either over the cable or wirelessly. Uh, And it's all built around the phone itself. And that means that. If so, for instance, uh, my wife and I may use different podcast apps, just as an example. It yeah. means that if I'm driving her car, I get overcast. And if she's driving her car, she gets Apple podcast, right? Because we have it. Uh, it it's coming from our phones. It's not vehicle centric. And there are some downsides to that that we can get into in a little while. But I, I like it as the as sort of the top line philosophy that the phone is the brain here and the car is really just receiving this. The, the the car operating system in essence follows you. So, yeah. you know, you get into a rental car and you hook up CarPlay and your overcast shows up there too. It doesn't matter. I think that's the right decision. But it's also kind of interesting because for people like you and I who run betas, it's a different operating system. Like my wife will get in the car with me every year around, you know, August after WWC and we'll hook up my my car my phone to the car and she's like oh here's a new button where where you know it's like things change because the system evolves over time and um uh, but you you even you know the operating system even changes depending on which phone is connected but mm-hmm. um i i hope they never change that i think that's exactly how it should be yep. that i can set it exactly i want we're going to explain later how you can customize it but you want that customization to follow you mm mm-hmm. mhm and in both of our vehicles, we have physical separate controls for HVAC, and you know my wife's fan has heated seats and a sunroof and stuff. It's very it's very nice in that minivan, way nicer yeah. than my truck. Um, yeah. But a lot of vehicles have moved that stuff into the screen, and then you have a bit of a conflict, right? It's like, oh, I need my HVAC controls, but car plays up. And there's a couple of different ways that that manufacturers deal with this. Uh, some manufacturers will, if they have a really big screen, CarPlay may take up only part of it. Uh, you can They can project CarPlay into just a section of the screen. They may have a bar at the top or bottom. I've seen this as well, where CarPlay takes up you know the full width, but maybe 80% vertically, and they still have some other controls underneath. Uh, the way it works in my wife's van, if you want to get back to Toyota, Toyota land, uh, well, they put a Toyota icon inside of CarPlay. It just looks like a regular app icon. Sure. It doesn't do anything if you tap it and it goes out to Toyota land. And so, and so there are some different cars handle that a little bit differently. You know, my truck, the, st- the stereo, the head unit is basically, it knows nothing about what's going on around it, right? Like it has yeah. no idea it's in a truck. It has no idea what that truck offers in terms of features. Uh, but a lot a lot of newer cars are more uh, are more integrated and as such, OEMs can put limitations on CarPlay. So this is a major difference in how CarPlay works in my truck versus my wife's van. 
in my truck, I could be driving down the highway at 80 miles an hour and I can scroll through like my entire music list, like all of, you know, hundreds of artists in my library, thousands yeah. of albums. I can just scroll through it. Uh, Toyota in, in their view, they didn't want that much content available to a user. You can still get to it all via Siri, but it is limited in her van to basically recently added music or recently played music. So the music UI is actually a little bit different when we're in her vehicle. Now, if the vehicle is stopped and in park, then I get the the content that I, like I have in my truck where you get the whole list. And so sometimes you'll see slightly different uh, features inside CarPlay. And I think Apple best I can tell in reading, I've read so much development stuff to try to find this, the where this is answered. I couldn't really put my finger on it, but it seems like Apple gives these OEMs some amount of control or levers to pull uh, on the software side to to limit CarPlay if they if they deem it uh, probably a safety issue. And you know Toyota is a very safety conscious company. That's one reason I really like them. And uh, and so they've scaled back CarPlay a little bit versus you know my aftermarket unit that doesn't care what's going on. And as someone who gets on the freeway with other people driving 80 miles an hour, I'm, I'm in favor of that. I I just feel like let's keep it as simple as possible. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that is uh, and that does depend like the older cars. Now my car has more integration than yours does. Like I can run some of the systems and everything. It's got uh, an app and I don't know if it's official Ford or not, but I've had it now for six or seven years and it seems to work fine. So um, it just depends on your vehicle, but I guess that is one point in general is just CarPlay is not always the same, um, depending on the vehicle you're in. And, you know, it's not only just the screen size, it is actually features. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't envy Apple's engineering challenge with that, that they have yeah. to work with all these different vendors. And it's not like every Ford is the same, right? They change over time. Like you mentioned Ford sync. They've been several versions of that over the years. And, you know, Toyota does one thing one way and Honda may do it the opposite. And I'm sure there's a group of people at Apple, like it's literally their job to figure all that stuff out and work with all these partners. But because, and I think this was Apple's point at WBDC last year, consumers have demanded this. And so car manufacturers have had to figure it out. And so you do end up with some of these differences but uh, to Apple's credit, the the base UI, the base features are all the same everywhere. Yeah. So let's talk about the interface. You know, CarPlay uh, is essentially a video uh, with a touchscreen being broadcast from your phone. But they do a pretty good job of making it feel like an iPhone, right? Yeah. Yeah. It feels uh, it feels pretty great. And if you've used an iPhone, it's it's instantly familiar. Uh, you basically have two sort of home screens on CarPlay, uh, or two types, I should say. You have the dashboard. That's the main screen. That was an addition a couple of years ago to CarPlay, and it shows three recent apps, uh, little icons down the the left side, and then you have maps that are real-time, you know, using GPS on your phone. It's Apple Maps by default, but what's really cool is if, if you've used another Maps app more recently than Apple, then it loads that one into the dashboard. So if you use Google Maps all the time, maybe you don't even have the Apple Maps icon on CarPlay because you can turn all the icons off that you don't want. Uh, It'll show Google Maps there. Uh, And that's kind of one half of the dashboard. And then the other half is uh, with Apple Maps, it shows your Maps favorites, which we talked about in our Navigating Apple Maps episode. Uh, 
Uh, and then you get media control and uh, series suggestions over on the other side. And these things, you can't move them around. They don't move around on their own. If there's not a series suggestion, all that happens is the media control gets taller and loads in the album artwork. So again, very predictable, very easy. Even if it's on a touchscreen, I know that if I just don't even look, and just put my finger out to like the right side of the screen that I'm going to land on the play pause button because I know where it is. It's not moving around on me like it is on iOS sometimes. Yeah. And, and you know, it goes without saying that uh, video touchscreens are the probably the worst possible interface for a car when you think about it. I because, think so. You know, you think about historically, like you want to change the volume, you're looking down the road, you reach down with your hand, you find the knob, you turn the knob, you know. Mm-hmm. You don't get that experience with a touchscreen. So... Uh, they do need to keep it as simple as possible. Yeah. And and CarPlay can integrate with physical controls. Even in my truck where I wired it up myself, I have a, there's a little box mounted somewhere deep in the dashboard of my truck that is a bridge between the steering wheel controls for like volume and media playback and yeah. the head unit. And so I, I like that I've got both, right? That if I can use the touchscreen safely, I can. Or if I'm in traffic, I just need to turn the volume down real quick. I can just use my left thumb on that button on my steering wheel and not touch not touch the screen, not look at the screen. So the user interface kind of extends out into the physical world in a lot of vehicles. Yeah. Now, in addition to the dashboard, they've also got a more kind of traditional iPhone look where it's just a set of icons on the screen that launch like apps. And uh, on the on the CarPlay, you've got up to two screens of these, so you can swipe between them. Although I'd recommend really trying to narrow it down. We're going to tell you how to customize that later, but but yeah, you can you can have a list of apps. Swipe between them, tap on them to to light them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to talk about the Siri suggestions a little bit on the dashboard. Um, that can surface different things, so it can surface an upcoming event. So every morning I get in mine, it's like, you know, school drop off. <laughs> it's like, yes, I know. Every It's the same time every day, Apple. Thank yeah. you. Um, and I had it off for a long time because I, I know what's next on my calendar. I don't need to see it. And I preferred having yeah. the, the album artwork for whatever podcast or music I was listening to. But what changed it for me was when I, uh, we talked about this on the show, uh, home kidified my garage and driveway gate. And so now if I'm in a couple blocks of my house, it shows me the status of, of one of those uh, devices, either open or closed, and the artwork is different. And I can tap it and, you know, close the garage door or close the gate. Uh, I would like much more control over this because it usually picks the driveway gate, but not always. And I actually thought, okay, I was like, okay, I'm thinking about this like a software engineer. Um, I, I, I was, I don't care about the garage door. I was to know what the gate is doing. I was like, well, if I put the gate in a home kit room called driveway, you, when you're in the car, the drive, the driveway is the last or the first thing you interact with. And so maybe that would take priority in series suggestions. It doesn't, it seems to sometimes pick the garage for a reason I cannot understand, but, um, but it's great having that status there and just having a single button and um, I would like Apple to keep pushing on these series suggestions. I'd like more control of them, but uh, it's pretty great when it does the right thing. Yeah. I, I have the same relationship with my front door lock, you know, cause I have it on a home kit lock and yeah. there's nothing better than pulling in the driveway and tapping the dash and, 
knowing the door is unlocked when you get to it. And, um, but I, I can't get it to consistently show up, <laughs> Yeah, you know? So I'm trying to like, whenever it shows up, I press it, even if I don't need to unlock the like, door. Like again. teach like, it. Like, yeah, yes, exactly. I hey, this, this guy really likes this button. Let's just give it to him more. <laughs> and, but you know, I don't know if this is an artificial intelligence thing or what I, I feel like maybe the algorithm is too complicated because we, we talked about this on automators and we got a lot of feedback with people having the same struggle. So mm-hmm. uh, I feel like that's something that could definitely use work. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would be, it would be cool for me to be able to like add a shortcut there or something. Like if I could do a yeah. shortcut to open the gate and the garage, right. And maybe turn totally. on like the inside lights, like, Arriving and send home. a message to your wife. I'm home. You yeah, know? yeah, all sorts of stuff. And again, yeah. they want to keep it simple. They don't want to add complexity where it's not needed. But it could be, I think, a lot more powerful. And like, make all of that stuff happen on the phone, right? Like, okay, you get one shortcut, and it's blessed to use in car plane. Like, I can't change it from the car. I have to do it on my phone. Like, they could build some stuff in around that. Um, but that's interesting about your door lock. I was going to ask you actually if that showed up. I wasn't. I wasn't sure if it would uh, appear there or not. But I could see it being really useful. Like you get home, you know, uh, you know that you got to unload groceries out of the car. Yeah. Right? It's like, or oh, it's I can just unlock or, it before yeah. I get out. Yeah. And Rose is getting a hundred percent of the time. So I, but Rose, you know, Rose, it's Rose, of yeah. course. You know. But the um, but I, yeah, it's cool, and I, I feel like that there's work to be done there. But you know, this is relatively new. I mean, historically, it was the grid of icons, and mm-hmm. now we've got the dashboard. Uh, every year, it seems to get a little smarter, you know. And uh, this is something that a lot of people are using, and Apple does put money and and effort into pieces that get a lot of use. So I'm, yeah. I'm hoping. It just occurred to me what I should do is set maybe I could set it with like a location trigger on my big orange button on my ultra watch or mm. it could be the unlock the front door if i'm in this geo location uh, yeah. i got i'm gonna write this down i have a homework project now okay yeah i like that um yeah the action button should be on everything come on apple yes, uh, yes. <laughs> put it everywhere and keep it orange that's what i say yes uh we mentioned the the grid of apps and um the the ability to move between them you can swipe uh, if some touch screens are made better than others, some cars, there may be a physical control that's mapped to that somehow. Uh, but it's also a shortcut. So in the lower left of the screen, and, and I'm talking as someone who drives in America, if you drive in the UK, I looked for images. I think CarPlay is the same internationally, but if left and right sounds backwards to you, I apologize. I drive the way Americans drive. But uh, there's a, a button that can toggle you between the dashboard and the grid of apps. And I have only one app on a second page. I couldn't squeeze it all onto one, but it's a very quick way to move between that. Or maybe just swiping just stinks on your touchscreen. It kind of stinks on my Sony unit. Um, And Apple has dealt with that also like in music. So in the music app, it has a way where you can get a, you know, uh, an alphabet and just like, you know, hit M and then you can go, you know, quickly to, you know, mute math or whatever. And so they've, yeah. they've done some things there to make that possible, but your, your mileage, <laughs> your mileage may vary. It's a car pun. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I get it. Your mileage may vary in terms of the, the actual controls. But, um, I think the overall thing I would say in terms of, of car play basics is Siri is your friend. 
in the car. It's not always going to get it right. In fact, just yesterday, driving home, I needed to text Mary about something. And I said, I hit the button. I said, hey, text Mary, you know, whatever I said. And it said, what would you like to know about Mary Hackett? I was like, what are you talking yeah. about? I said, text. Yeah. That's a command I use in my car more than any other. Like, why all of a sudden have you forgotten it? So there is, Siri's going to be Siri. But I am uh, a really strong believer that in the car in particular, even though CarPlay has all this stuff, using Siri as much as possible is the safest way to do things. I agree, but I have thoughts. I want to put a pin in that. Okay. Um, but before before we get there, one last basic user interface thing that I didn't realize until I had owned it for a couple of years is that same button that switches you between dash and icon view. Yeah. If you long press it, it triggers Siri. Now, yes. a lot of you will have a Siri trigger already on your steering wheel or something, but um, if you're a passenger, that is probably the easiest way to get Siri rolling is just reach over and long press on that. Yeah. In fact, in old versions of CarPlay, that looked, it was like a circle with the round rectangle, like the old pre-touch ID home buttons. And I think in CarPlay, it's actually still called the home button. And so, yeah, it does what Siri would do on a phone like that. You smash it down and it and it, it fires Siri off. So that, that button is very useful in, in getting around CarPlay. Um, we'll talk a little bit about customization because there's not a lot of flexibility here you have in terms of ui customization at least you have maybe half a dozen wallpapers they're basically you know apple sort of like lava lamp blobs of color and yeah, they're, they're all ugly Let's they're just all agree. ugly i use the white and black one because it's the least offensive i think and it uh they have light and dark modes and you can tell carplay to use automatic for the mode. So like light light mode during the day, dark mode at night, or when my headlights are on. So if you're in a, a rainstorm, I know you don't have those, but uh, the rest of us have them. Um, I'm having one right now. Yeah, I guess California is having a historic rainstorm as yeah. we record this. But uh, having uh, that dark mode is is really nice. And uh, or, or you can say always use dark mode. Now I keep mine automatic because the display on my Sony is not super bright and uh, the light mode helps during the day. But uh, if you're a dark mode fan, you can use it all the time on CarPlay. Yeah. I have a, I think a solid gray color. I don't even use their lava lamp stuff. I think it's yeah. just all, it's like, it's like they're not even trying. I feel like, Mm-mm. come on, it's Apple. You guys could do best. So yeah. And I don't, I'm not asking to like load in a custom image. Like I don't want a picture of my kids back there. Right. Cause they're going to be covered yeah. in app icons anyways. Yeah. But I would like some more some more examples back there. Like, why didn't we something get the cool? Something that's not ugly. Something that's, that's not ugly. Um, and it and the UI uses a lot of the sort of transparency stuff we see in other Apple products. And so I've used the red one. My truck's red. I was like, oh, I'll use the red one. Now everything's tend to kind of pink. That doesn't work for me. So not a lot of options. I'd like to see some more wallpaper options. But honestly, especially if you're on the dashboard all the time, which is how I, I use mine all the time, where you have maps and series suggestions and media controls. You don't even really see much of the wallpaper, but I would like Apple to, to revisit that. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Rocket Money. Go to rocketmoney.com MPU and cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses. 
It's time to say goodbye to last year's outdated, disorganized methods of managing your money and say hello to Rocket Money, the better way to hack your finances in 2023. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, like that streaming service you bought to watch just one show on or a free trial that you never even used. And Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want. And canceling subscriptions is as easy as a click of a button. Just find the subscriptions you don't want and press cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. There's no more long hold times with customer service or tedious emailing back and forth. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving an average of $720 a year. I signed up for Rocket Money, and I am just really digging it. Of all the things on my list every day, managing my accounts and keeping track of expenses, it's just not very high for me. I'm not into that, but Rocket Money does a great job of doing it for me. It's like having a little assistant. They even send me emails when they recognize a new subscription coming in or an expense that they can't categorize. And sure enough, as soon as I signed up for Rocket Money, it found subscriptions that I forgot about that I was able to cancel. I was also really impressed how easy it was to hook up Rocket Money to my various accounts so it could keep everything for me in one place. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash MPU. That's R-O-C-K-E-T-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash MPU. Go to rocketmoney.com slash MPU. Start saving money today. And our thanks to Rocket Money for their support of the Mac Power Users and all of Relay FM. So let's talk about CarPlay apps. Uh, we've got really two classes of, of apps in CarPlay. We've got the built-in Apple apps, so phone, messages, music, and maps. And then you have calendar news, audiobooks, which is like just the audiobook portion of the books application. It's like a subset. Uh, and sure. then we have, of course, uh, podcasts. And you can interact with a few more. I didn't even know that you could interact with weather or clock via Siri until we prepped for this episode. I, I knew about reminders, right? You can smash the button and say, hey, remind me when I get home to take out the garbage. Fantastic yeah. feature of CarPlay. Um, but those sort of core Apple apps are, are all there. Yeah. I mean, I've always thought of those as I'm just addressing them on the phone, but they don't have a user interface really yeah. on, you know, and, and that works fine. You know, I mean, uh, we've been singing the praises of reminders for a couple months now, but you know, I think in terms of task managers, reminders is the best player in the car. And, um, I, what I do is I have a special inbox and reminders that I dictate to and OmniFocus slurps that out, but mm -hmm. the, um, but even if you're just using reminders, it's it's really good. And uh, and the thing, remind me when I get home, I mean, how I use that at least once a week. Same. And that's just something that happens in reminders for me. It doesn't even go to OmniFocus. But, yep. you know, it's like, uh, you know, whatever. There's things you need to do when you get home. You think about mm -hmm. when you're driving around. It's really, really useful. It's great. Um, but I guess you want to get into the phone first, though. That's that's really the big one. Yeah, I think I think phone is, is a, definitely a big one here. Uh, you have in the user interface, you have tabs for favorites. You have a dialer. You may have your whole contact list. You may not, again, depending on the OEM setup. And uh, you can check your voicemail. But again, 
Siri, right? To hit the button, say, hey, call David Sparks. And it will use the speakers and the microphone built into your car. And uh, it even, and I didn't think about this until the first time I needed it. I was in, I mean, years and years ago now. I've had CarPlay a long time. I was in the carpool line picking up a kid and I was on hold somewhere, right? And it's like, press three to talk to this person. I was like, oh, can I do this in CarPlay? And turns out if you're on the phone, there's a button to bring a, t- a dial pad up. So you can press three to talk to customer service or whatever. Sure. Not something I would have thought about, but clearly someone at Apple did. Yeah. And and I just really think that although uh, lately I'm on the war path with Siri for a variety of reasons, um, I do think that like making phone calls, it nails that. Like it nails it for reminders largely too, but phone calls, I, I it just never misses for me. And, you know, I've got a big database of people uh, one of my favorite things to do when I'm driving down the road sometimes is call a friend and mm-hmm. maybe that's not that safe. I guess I probably shouldn't do that, but, <laughs> but you know, just like talk to an old friend while you're yeah. cruising down the road is kind of fun. It is. And it never misses. It just yeah. never misses. And so I feel like that, that part of Siri is pretty good. And, um, um, although, uh, you do have a setting, we're going to get in the settings later, but I actually have mine turned on to when I'm driving, um, and people call in, it says I'm driving. So mm-hmm. I don't get a lot of calls on my, yeah. on my car unless they're people that kind of break through the barrier. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, there's a really good trick here with Siri, especially in the car. Uh, I've got a link to it in the show notes where you can teach Siri, uh, how to pronounce someone's name. It is an okay feature. I think it's still a little bit hit or miss, but if you have a friend with, you know, a name where they, it always butchers it, you can tell it. Okay. This is how you pronounce it phonetically, and it it tries its best <laughs> to get it right. Yeah. Um, uh, and and I think that's handy, especially if you're if you're using CarPlay a lot. the The flip side of the phone, I think, is messages. Uh, there's no keyboard in CarPlay normally. Again, uh, there's a keyboard in Maps. Or, or in Google Maps, I think, but it's like doesn't work on my wife's car. That may be another limitation to it puts on it. Anyways, there's not a reliable keyboard in CarPlay. You shouldn't be typing yeah. on your car screen anyways. Yeah. And and so you can uh, use Siri to send messages. You get a list just like on your phone of your most recent threads. You can tap on one and, and you can have it read messages in that thread. You can send messages to that thread and you can have it set to announce new messages. So if uh, I get a text from David and I'm in the car, it could, um, if I have that setting turned on, it could say, hey, you have a new message from David Sparks and it reads it, you know, in the Siri voice. And then with my voice, I could uh, I could reply. Now, I don't have that turned on. I have it, um, I have new messages silenced in CarPlay. In that case, you get a notification banner that comes up from the bottom of the screen. It used to come up from the top. I don't know why they changed it, but it just comes up from the yeah. But I was like, hey, David Sparks sent you a message and you could tap on it. Uh, the messages icon will get a badge and you could tap on that and then again uh, have it read you those messages and then you can send one back with your voice. Uh, you can even have it proofread it. So you can say, uh, you can have Siri read back what it heard before it sends it out and then you can edit it or you can just, if you just live on the edge, you can just have it send automatically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do the proofreading option. I want to know what Siri thinks I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tell Daisy I love her. Okay, I'm going to tell Daisy you hate her. Yeah, like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's like, yeah, not good. 
<laughs> yeah, that that's an issue. Uh, and I think learning the syntax of it really helps, you know, um, tell then the person and then the, the message just that's the, I, I, there may be other ways, but that's the syntax I've landed on that works reliably, you mm-hmm. know, you know, uh, push the button, tell Daisy, I love you. And then it will send that message to her. And, uh, if you really want to be careful, tell Daisy sparks, but in my life, there's only one Daisy, but you know, right. you know, you, you don't want to send that message to the wrong person. Um, so, you know, you, occasionally it gets hung up there, but if you get too complicated, it does get lost in the process. And I think the the most useful thing about CarPlay with messages is not necessarily the ability to receive messages as is the ability to send it. Because sometimes you're running late or, you know, something's up and you got to get a message to somebody while you're driving down the road. I mean, that's the thing that gets people in accidents when they try and do it on their device. And this is so easy. If you've got the button on your steering wheel, you push the button, you know, tell Daisy I'm going to be 10 minutes late. And then she gets the message and it, you never left your eyes from the road. So, uh, you know, mission accomplished so long as Siri does the job. Yeah. We just did a big maps episode and we talked a lot about maps in the car uh, yeah. there. So if you want to go more in depth, check out that episode. It's episode 662. But it maps does map stuff in the car, right? You have your favorites. You have your search history. So if you look up something on your Mac or the phone, it shows up in the search history in the car. It has a, a newish feature. I think it was new in iOS 15 or 16, uh, EV routing. So if you have an yeah. electric vehicle, it will set your route with charging points and range in mind. So if you're driving across the state, it's not going to leave you stranded in the middle of nowhere with a dead battery, hopefully. Um, really cool feature. And I think that will be something they continue to improve over time. One of my favorite features, we talked about this in the Maps episode, but not really in context of the car and Siri, but sharing your ETA is a new, um, fairly new feature um, that they've added. But there's a Siri command for it. If you learn the the syntax again, share my ETA with Stephen Hackett, right? And that's all you have to do. And like when my daughter was in the dorms at UCLA, I'd go pick her up, but you can't park up there the way it's built. So I would always just share ETA with her. And even though it's a two-hour drive, she would know when I was five minutes away and I'd get to her dorm and she'd be standing out front and hop in the car. And um, I find I use this so often. When I'm going to lunch with somebody for business or when I'm going to visit family or whatever, I share ETA all the time. And yeah. I don't think many people use that feature, but it's it's super handy. And Daisy and I do as well. And like when I'm going to see her, I'll share the ETA so she knows I'm going to get there. And mm-hmm. um, and she does the same. Uh, so it's a, it's a nice feature. And I think it really lends itself to CarPlay. The Siri command is share ETA with insert name. But but use first and last name again. Siri is not that great. I, I don't, that, that's like a gripe of mine. It's like, you know, let's say I have five Stevens in my contacts database but I only ever text message Stephen Hackett. Um, but if I if I'd say you know tell Stephen I'm on the way, it'll say okay I'm gonna send that to Stephen Jones and I'm like, why did you do that? I've mm-hmm. never messaged him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you know, so so put the use the last name. Yeah, that's it. That's good advice. One thing I wanted to touch on in the the sort of routing and transit stuff in Apple Maps and CarPlay, you have the ability to report a traffic incident. So if you come up to an accident or a 
some sort of hazard or road work. Uh, there's a button in Apple Maps. It looks like a little uh, talk bubble icon. You can tap it and you can report one of those things. And yeah. if Apple, their language says um, if if they have uh, confidence in the reports, then it will show up in maps for other people in the area. So they do this by looking at the number of reports. So just one report comes in, it's not going to flag it. But if several yeah. come in, it may. Or they combine it with traffic. So you get the traffic overlays, like yellow is slow traffic, red is stop traffic. It will take all that into account. And so driving my kid to school, you know, sometimes I'll see uh, a little, you know, triangle with a little yellow exclamation mark. And I get there and sure enough, you know, they've dug up the street to fix something. I put this and you can do it all with Siri. You can hit the button and say report an accident or there's a speed check here, whatever. But I put this in the good karma bucket. Like I do this, like as long as I can do it safely and I, I, I use Siri for it. So I, I can, yeah. uh, I'll report this stuff. It's like, yeah, it'd be great to have known that this was going on. So I wasn't late somewhere. Um, yeah. and you can update hazards. So if you pass one of those and there's nothing going on, you can tell Siri or tap the button and, uh, clear the accident or the hazard is gone. There's a couple of different ways to do it. And it will again, take that into consideration and then clear that for everybody after enough reports or enough time has gone by. Uh, this is basically the reason Waze, which is a, a mapping application uh, that is CarPlay compatible that Google owns, but it's like a social mapping thing. So like lots of things get reported on there. It's kind of the same idea. The idea is that, hey, you just want your fellow drivers to know what's going on. And uh, it's a great feature because sometimes you don't know what's going on. You can you know scroll up on the map real quick and see, oh gosh, there's an accident up here. I probably should get off and, and try something else. Yeah. And, but I have a, a bit of a gripe with this one too, because uh, it does sometimes just prompt you after an accident has been reported. It says, Hey, there's an accident 500 yards ahead. Is it still there or is it cleared? Like, hmm. so it pops a window up and then it's like, it's like a ticking time bomb. This thing is going to go away at some point, but usually if it says 500 yards away, and I only get 200 yards and it goes away. I feel pressure to answer the question before I know the answer, right? Hmm. It's like, just wait till I get there. I don't know. You know, I'm still in traffic. Do you ever get that? I don't think I've seen that. Um, oh, it happens to me all the time. It's like, oh, Siri, why, why can't you just be? I will say I have Siri suggestions for Apple Maps turned off because I really can't stand the feature. Like if I'm not home, and I get in the car and it wants to automatically route me home. It's like, I know where I live. I've lived in this city for 37 years. Like, I don't. And so I have some of that stuff turned off, so maybe that's why I don't see that. Yeah, that's probably. I, I love that feature, honestly, because sometimes, like, I'm in the middle of Los Angeles somewhere, and I yeah. know how to get home, but I don't know how to get to the 405, you know? Right. And just pushing that button gets me the first two miles onto the freeway, and then I'm good. Um, also, there's just a, a data piece of me that wants to know, like, you know, the 405 is a great example. It's like one of the worst, you know, freeways in America in terms of traffic. So you get on it. And even though you know that's the way home, sometimes that's not the way home. You mm. know, and uh, and Siri will listen to you the right way. In general, I find that, uh, and, you know, we're getting into the stuff we talked about in the show, but I, I find maps rerouting pretty, pretty reliable. My only yeah, uh, complaint too. is when it tries to get you off of the freeway into local streets, 
in areas that you're unfamiliar with, I, I feel like sometimes that's not good. And um, uh, I'd rather stay on the freeway in those cases. But in generally, when it reroutes you, it, it does a good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, CarPlay also includes Calendar and a bunch of media apps. So you can yeah. see your upcoming events. You can ask Siri about your you know upcoming calendar. And the, the rest of them, music, podcast, audiobooks, and news, they basically work the way you would expect. You can use Siri to interact with them, or you can navigate through your music, your podcasts. Uh, with I wasn't sure about Apple News because I do not use Apple News at all. But yeah, uh, so I I put it on CarPlay. I was like, what does this do? Uh, it basically lets you, if you're a News Plus subscriber, you get audio versions of select news stories. It's not everything. Um, and you also get access to Apple News Today, which is their like daily news briefing podcast, but not a podcast. Um, and so you've got some stuff there as well uh, where you can uh, bring that media into the car, which I'm sure is the the number one use for CarPlay. Like after maps, it's media, I'm sure. Yeah. You also have HomeKit, and we mentioned the series suggestions a little bit earlier, but you also have a selection of HomeKit controls you can do with Siri. And so I tried a bunch of these and some of them worked and some of them didn't. And honestly, David, I couldn't find a rhyme or reason to like, why will it turn that light on, but not that one off or like it very strange. And and I understand like maybe it wouldn't do my security system, right? Cause even on the phone with an automation, you have to manually confirm it, but you do have some home kit stuff there. My suggestion for home kit in particular, if you have a lot of home kit stuff, again, safely car parked somewhere, uh, just see what works for you and your setup and what doesn't. HomeKit's a really big topic and CarPlay doesn't seem to map one-to-one to what HomeKit can do, but at least uh, at least some of it's there. Uh, see, I find it works generally pretty well, but my uses are pretty basic. Like mm-hmm. I um, I have it turn on the lights and uh, during the summer, if we've been gone all day, I'll have it turn on the air conditioner as we're driving home so the house is a little mm-hmm. cooler when we get home. So I, I don't do a lot. Uh, yeah. anything too exotic with it, but I find that very useful. But a lot of these other apps, like the news and the calendar, I don't check my calendar when no. I'm driving. I no. don't, you know, so, so a lot of the stuff I, um, I don't need and, and just push them off into screen too. And, and I, I paid more attention to them in the last month because of the show, but I don't think I will be going back to using them because of the show. Right. And maybe my hit or miss with it, maybe that's uh, more on Siri than anything else. And that, I mean, honestly, as a sidebar, that's what's really frustrating about some, these shows sometimes. Like, oh, it works great for one of us, and the other one of us, it just doesn't work at all. I don't know why. Like, it's, so forgive us. Like, it is some of the stuff Apple just doesn't have nailed down 100%. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I, I feel like, you know, Siri is the underlying problem. I mean, I feel like it's my new hobby horse. I'm Now that I've found peace with the iPad, now Siri's the one that keeps making me mad. <laughs> Because it could be so much better. You know what I yeah. mean? It's just like, uh, maybe we'll do a show on Siri. I'm not sure if I'm up to it, but maybe we will. Uh, let's talk about third-party apps. Um, well, you talked about that earlier. Like Apple does allow third-party apps, but that's qualified. They've got to fit within certain categories of apps to to be allowed into the car. Like you're not going to get cut the rope in your car. No, no. Um, I, I- I don't normally do this, but I put some developer links in the show notes just in case you want to dive into this. I think it, I just think it's interesting. Um, not only do you have to fit into a category, you have to apply for uh, special access to CarPlay 
through Apple. So it's called an entitlement. And you have to go to Apple and say, look, I make a podcast app. A podcast app is expected to be in CarPlay. Please let me do that. And from what I haven't talked to anybody super recently about this, but in the past, at least, you know, that added sort of a layer of complexity to your application in terms of approval process. Um, But there are these very select categories. So you have the ones you would expect, right? Audio, communication, navigation, uh, automaker, which is like, you know, maybe you go in there to change your HVAC or maybe it just kicks you back out to your OEM's infotainment screen. Uh, but then you have some newer ones. So you have fueling and EV charging. So you can, uh, there are a couple apps out there that you can look up EV charging points. Uh, Gas Buddy is not on CarPlay. Gas Buddy is this great application. I use it a lot when I travel, if I'm driving, where people, it crowdsources gas prices. And so you can look like, okay, I'm in the city that I'm never in. Like, where's the cheapest place to get gas? And you can, it does a lot of other stuff too, but that's sort of the core of it. Um, so you have EV and EV charging and fueling. A, a newer one is parking. In fact, just this week there was a news story about Apple Maps on the phone and the Mac and the iPad gaining some new parking features. So like, oh, I'm going to uh, a baseball game. I've never been here before. What's the parking like? You know, where can I park? And it shows you some stuff there. Uh, and then there's quick food ordering, which is also a new one. This to date is not like Uber Eats or DoorDash. Uh, the only two examples I could find were uh, Dunkin' Donuts and uh, Panera, which is like a bread deli kind of place. Yeah, it's popular know. out here. Yeah, it's popular here, too. I just never go in there. Um, yeah. And you can like order food for delivery or whatever. Um, so those are the newer ones. And it takes a long time for these to get filled out. Like if we revisit this in a year, I bet there'll be more quick food ordering, quick food ordering apps in here. Um, yeah. But there are a couple. And if you don't fall in one of those categories, uh, you're not getting in. And a, an example uh, that sometimes gets brought up is an app called Weather on the Way. This is an app that basically marries navigation and weather information. So like, I'm driving across the country. If it's going to be like rainy in Kansas, I want to know about it. Well, that's a navigation app. And so it's in CarPlay through the navigation category. There's not a weather app category. I wish there was. I would, I'd love yeah. to like have a weather radar and CarPlay if I'm stuck somewhere, but there's not. And so there are a couple of apps that seem to break this category mold. But once you really look into them, they really do fit one of these spots. Apple is very strict about this, again, because they want this to be as safe and predictable as possible. Yeah, and in fact, so much so that in the documentation you link, uh, Apple makes templates and they try to make it so users get the same, you know, general button layout no matter which app they're running. Yeah, using Overcast or Apple Music or Podcasts or Spotify, like they all pretty much work the same, right? There may be some differences here and there, but it is not like iOS where apps can basically do anything it is very structured. It's very, okay, you're tapping into this list. You're coming out of this list. The play controls should look basically like this again, because they don't want someone to, you know, be paying attention to the UI. They want them paying attention to the road. Now you mentioned uh, a ways earlier. I think that's one of the most popular third-party apps to put on your phone, on yeah. your car. And I guess I should mention 
the process of putting this in your car isn't complicated. You put the app on your phone and then it shows up in your car. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it may show up on the second screen because you have so many apps, but it's there. And, um, Waze is an interesting one with me because my wife was a huge fan of Waze. You know, she had enough success with it in early days that um, it really sold her, you know, that crowdsourcing thing. Uh, But with the job she currently has, she drives a lot. And she was just telling me recently that, you know, Apple Maps is just as good as Waze to her anymore. She runs them against each other sometimes. And she's just using Apple Maps because it's easier. Mm-hmm. And um, but uh, but Waze is if you're looking for that kind of community look and, and we've we've done these on the show already. So I don't need to go into it deeply, but that's a popular one. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of great ones out there. Um, a couple that jumped out at me beyond Waze uh is broadcast that's by our friend uh steven Toronto smith and that lets you yeah. listen to uh internet radio or live stream so i have it set up for atp and relay so like if a relay show is live and i'm driving or even if i'm just in the house i just use broadcast because it will play from our live server and like our local pbs radio station has uh several internet streams and it, you can play that so it's a way to bring live audio into the car uh in an interesting way and then we mentioned uh, phone, but Zoom, Skype, and Teams are also all available on CarPlay as well. And I have uh, got friends who work in the corporate world who, you know, they they use Teams or Zoom a lot. And, you know, they've got to run, pick up a sick kid or they're, you know, not in the office yeah. for some reason. They can join a conference call right from within CarPlay and mute and hang up and do all the things right within the CarPlay UI. And so that is a phone call, but it's kind of a phone call plus. And Apple has opened that up a little bit to uh, these services that honestly like weren't that big of a deal when CarPlay started. But again, Apple's evolving and trying to keep up with the ecosystem in, in a responsible way. By far, the big winners for me for third-party apps is Overcast and Audible. And because I, I get audiobooks from Audible, I don't get them from Apple. Yep. And Audible works fine in the car, and Overcast works fine in the car, and that that's really my uh, my go to when I have long drives is listen to a good podcast or listen to an audio book. Yep, I use Overcast all the time in the car. Um, we've been teasing all show that you can move those around, and the the this is not easy. It should be addressable in the car. Sadly, it's not. Um, you've got to go on your phone into settings, general CarPlay. What I what I recommend is because you're never going to remember how to get your way there. It's in it's under general. If you can remember that, good for you. But if not, just open settings and type in CarPlay, and it gets you right there. And um, then you can choose your CarPlay installation. Like if you've like I'm looking at mine now. There's three because I've had a rental car and some other stuff recently. I need to clear some of these out. But you go in the one that is for your car because it remembers settings for each, each installation. And then you can change the app location. And, you know, the trick is get the stuff you use on that first screen. So you don't Mm -hmm. have to be driving down the road and swiping between screens. And if you can just keep, just keep the ones, just keep one screen worth, honestly, Mm -hmm. you know, and like when Daisy's told me she wasn't using ways anymore, I'm like, well, let's get it off your home screen. So, you know, you don't have to, you know, just clean it up as much as possible. Yeah, I have my most important ones in the lower right. So if if I'm in my car, uh, the lo- the this is just two rows of icons. 
it, I have messages and then overcast side by side because they're the closest to me. I do the same thing on my phone. I hold my phone in my right hand. I use my right thumb. So the apps I use the most on my phone are in the lower right. It's again, it's a little fiddly. This should be revisited. But uh, my biggest complaint with this is, is that it's per car. I want my car play to be the exact same no matter what I'm driving. If I'm in my car, yeah. my wife's car, you know, I mentioned I put a car play unit in my mom's new car. Like, I want Overcast to be in the same place. I want the wallpaper to be the same. And Apple treats each car individually. And and I think there's an argument to be made that that is a reasonable setting for some people. But I would like at least an option to say, you know, like on the Apple TV, like sync your home screen, like sync my car place setup so it's the same everywhere. Um, and, you know, I've done the work, right? So I sit in my wife's car and put all the icons in the same place. Um but what's really frustrating even beyond that is at least last time I tried it buying my iPhone 14 Pro, iCloud backups don't include your CarPlay settings. And so if you upgrade your phone or if you're like us and you run the betas and you have to restore your phone, uh, your CarPlay settings aren't saved. And I don't understand why. Maybe this has improved since, again, I haven't tried it in six months, but that's another frustrating point here. Uh, it feels like a lot of the the interface between CarPlay and the phone just is really basic. And maybe they did it back in the day and haven't re- haven't touched it again. But I would like Apple to make this uh, the customization of the the layout of CarPlay just better in in all these ways. Yeah, yeah. Or even make it an option to just say populate with the most recent apps you know like that feature that i complain about on the mac where it moves the spaces based on what you've used most recently yeah i actually think a feature like that on carplay might make sense because a lot of people well most people are not going to go in and find the settings and adjust the app locations Mm -hmm. and so for you know non-power users have a feature where it just keeps the most recent ones there and gradually buries the unused ones to the second screen would probably be safer. Honestly, problem with that, just to finish the thought is it probably, it would move them. And that's probably what they don't want to do. They don't want you to have to look at the screen every time to know where it is. Yeah. The the way it works now is like, I installed ways to play with it before the episode. I put it on my phone. It automatically showed up in CarPlay as the last icon. So I guess that is your point of the, they don't want them moving around on you. But Apple's already solved this with the Apple Watch, right? And you can tell your Apple Watch automatically install all the apps. Don't automatically install the apps. Let me manually yeah. select which ones I want. And and um, I was I'd like to see this revisited because CarPlay has become more complex with more app options, and that's only going to increase over time. Even though Apple keeps it really locked down, it's inevitable. It's going to continue to grow, and I think some of the management needs to grow with it. I want to take a quick break from the show and tell you about our membership program. You can learn more by going to relay.fm slash MPU slash join. There's a link in the top of the show notes. And uh, what you get is access to a bunch of really cool stuff through Relay FM. The biggest and most important one probably is a longer ad-free version of the show each and every week. So every week, David and I record an extra chapter of the show. In this episode, we talk about my Mac Studio, and I ever had a lot of software problems, ended up reinstalling macOS and having like a 36-hour time machine restore. Total nightmare. We talk all about that. But all sorts of things come up in that more power users 
chapter, as we like to call it. So each week, a longer ad-free version of the show. But Mac Power Users is part of Relay FM, the podcast network that uh, I co-founded. And that means you get access to a lot of other really cool stuff. Uh, at Relay, we do a monthly newsletter with interviews, and we have wallpaper packs. We have a couple of member-only podcasts that you can subscribe to. And of course, there is our Discord, which is a fantastic community of like-minded people who were just interested in this stuff. You know, we're interested in tech and we're interested in cars and trucks and computers and everything in between. We got sports and media, all sorts of stuff in there. So if you've never joined, now is a great time. It's just $5 a month or $50 a year. Again, you can learn more by going to relay.fm slash MPU slash join. Okay, um, uh, let's talk about driving focus. Um, what's that? Yeah, so this is one of the focus modes uh, that you can have it. Basically, if you're driving, you don't get any notifications, your screen stays off. And we should say, like, when you're using CarPlay, the screen stays off on its own. Where it interacts with CarPlay, though, is you can go into the focus mode settings on your phone and tell the driving focus to automatically enable or disable by CarPlay. I think I talked about it on the show when the driving focus first came out, I was triggering it on my bike rides. So I guess yeah. I was on a street and I guess I was going fast enough that he's driving. And so yeah. I turned off the automatic detection uh, for the driving focus mode. But having CarPlay triggered is totally the way to go. It's like, okay, if I'm using CarPlay, I'm probably driving. And if I'm not, maybe I'm a passenger and we're just using my phone, then I can manually disable it. So there's a link in the show notes where to find this and turn it on. If you use the driving focus, I totally think you should have it hooked into CarPlay to automatically trigger it for you. Yeah. And in addition to de determining who can get through, like when you're driving, um, you can also at that point enable the feature that says if you're in driving focus and people try to message you, um, you send a message back saying, hey, I'm driving. I can't talk right now. Right. And yeah, I went up and down. I used it at the beginning because it was new and shiny, and then I turned it off. But then I found, you know, uh, there's enough people in my life that text me and want replies quickly that uh, I would rather just go ahead and turn that back on. So I've had that turned on now for a couple of years, and I think I'm pretty um, – I don't think a lot of people do that. Uh, but I feel like it's kind of been a good feature. I like using it. Um, do you use that? I, I do not use the driving focus mode. I did – initially but i i what what happened a few times was m most of my driving is school drop off and pick up because i work at home and yeah, yeah. so you need up, them to get through yeah. yeah and school pickup in particular there's always something right my wife teaches and she's getting out the same time as the kids and like i could set it up for her to come through but it it became i had a couple of instances where it, it kind of kept me out of the loop when i needed to be in the loop and so how I manage this is, of course, CarPlay turns off the screen of the phone and I don't have it read messages automatically. And if I see a notification come in, I can tap on messages and, you know, on the CarPlay unit. And OK, my wife texted me. That's important. If some my neighbor texted me, maybe my house is on fire, but anybody else like it can wait. And so I just sort of kind of manually do it. Um, but I also don't do any interstate driving hardly at all. And like I said, it's, it's car, it's carpool lines and that sort of stuff where yeah, a teacher may call me and say, hey, we're, you know, we're done late, you know, hang out for a few minutes or whatever. So, yeah, so I, I don't have it on. And, that, and that's the problem with 
what the focus is on. If you punch a hole through for your wife and your kids, but you don't have the teacher's number in there, then yeah. you don't get the message. So it's I, always yeah, I the that. next person. Like it's like a concentric ring. It's always the next person out. Right. And then before you know yeah. it, your focus mode doesn't do anything because you've let everybody in. Yeah. And I, but I don't mind it because for me, I do actually do a lot of long trips and I, I just don't, I don't care for yeah. the interruptions. Yeah. So much of this is so contextual to where you drive, how much you drive, you know, all of that stuff, right? Like we mentioned earlier, I don't, I don't like the automatic navigation suggestions. Like I know where my home is. I lived in Memphis my entire life, Sure, but I totally see and understand like where you live is a much bigger place and it probably makes a lot more sense. And maybe like you said, you just need to get it on the highway. And then once you're there, you know what you're doing. Uh, so I like the customization we have around those things. And uh, I think Apple's done a good, I think Apple's done a really good job actually of giving us enough control around most of that stuff where we can make this work in a way that makes sense with our lives and, you know, our commutes and all that stuff. You just triggered another Siri rant. Can I, can I just do it? Yes, please. Um, When you do have directions turned on, there are different forms of audio controls. Um, And I think I actually did the same rant on the map show, so I'll keep it short, but you have to tap the screen like three times to change it from, you know, verbose directions to basic directions to no directions. Mm -hmm. And I, for the life of me, cannot figure out if anybody's listening to this and knows how to use a Siri command to tell it to stop giving me oral directions and just leave the map up with the ETA. uh, Let me know because I have tried everything, you know, and uh, that makes me crazy. Like stuff like that. Come on, Siri. I mean, uh, but I shouldn't have to ask for help on that. It, Agreed. You know, one of the seven ways I've tried already should have worked. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move over. Uh, uh, something else Apple has been doing with cars lately is car keys. And this is different from car play. Uh, this is the security level of getting into your car and turning it on. Yeah, a lot of people may be familiar with the fact that that Tesla, they're, they're the ones who kind of popularize this, where you have the Tesla app on your phone you can unlock your car with it. You can turn on the, you know, the HVAC. You can put the windows down. You can start it, you know, power it up from the phone, from their app. Uh, this is a little bit different than that is in that it's using the NFC built into the phone as well as the wallet application. And basically the only cars that do this are BMWs, just like the iPod days. Remember the, the uh, iPod, your BMW thing? The time is a flat circle. Or someone at Apple really likes BMW. And they're like, hey, come try our thing. Uh, but you have a, a virtual key to your vehicle. It's in wallet and you can uh, approach your car and unlock it because NFC sees that your phone is on you. It also works with your Apple watch. Uh, you can share a car key. And what's really cool about this is say that you, uh, uh, you have maybe a young driver in your family. You got a kid who's 16 or 17. You can give them a key to your car uh, via wallet, but limit the top speed. Or uh, if it's to a valet, maybe they can't uh, open the trunk or maybe someone can unlock it, but not start the car. And so these are very early days. I have not seen this in practice. Uh, I don't know anybody with a car even. Like I was I was kind of scrolling through my contacts like, anybody I know have a new BMW I could call and ask about this? I don't know anybody with this. If you have this, Sound off in the forums. I would love to know how this works in practice and what you think about it. But it's giving you that sort of 
Tesla-like experience of, hey, my phone is my key. Uh, if you travel, you should probably have a spare key. You know, you don't want to be in the middle of nowhere and not be able to get in. Uh, it works in low power mode. It even works after your phone's battery has died for some amount of time. NFC is very low power. And so even if the phone has died, uh, apparently NFC works for a little while in this. Again, you don't want to get stranded. Uh, it's a feature thing, right? Who knows when I will own a car that ever does this? Like, you know, um, but it's out there and it's something that Apple is, is, is clearly interested in. And, uh, and again, if you have experience with this, we'd love to hear about it. Yeah. I feel like this is kind of like the early days of CarPlay or iOS in the car, right? Where it's something that, you know, what was <laughs> you said a Ferrari, you know, you had to get a Ferrari to get it originally. I feel like this is the same thing. It's just getting started. But people want to replace their keys and their wallet with their phones. I mean, there's no question, or at least Apple wants people to replace their keys and their wallet with their phones. And I feel like this is going to be, like, if, if we come back to this show in five years, I think it's going to be something that's much more common than it yeah. is now. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of convenience to it, right? That I mean, if you lived in the future with car key and home kit and Apple Pay, I guess, throw that in there. You could literally yeah. just leave your house with your watch or your watch in yeah. your phone. No keys, no wallet. You know, maybe you live in, in one of the two states that has the ID, you know, the state identification stuff and wallet. Like, that's what Apple's building to. And, I mean, my keys are on my desk. Like, I got two car keys. We have two cars. I got house keys, studio keys, PO box, like tons of stuff. And Apple wants to pare that down. And I'm I'm all for it. I think this is really cool technology. Yeah. I was also thinking as you were talking – Man, life really sucks for 16-year-olds at this point. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, I mean, when I was 16, I'd leave the house. I could drive the car as fast as I wanted. My parents yeah. had no idea where I was. Yeah. And getting a hold of me was almost impossible. And uh, they don't have any of that freedom at this point. <laughs> yeah. You got car key limiting the top speed of dad's BMW. You got find my. As a parent, yeah. I love it all. Is it? Yeah, 16, me too. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Sixteen-year-old Stephen would not have liked it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was the condition when my kids got phones. I'm like, you can have a phone, but this app and this location is always turned on, and yeah. I'm not going to be creepy. And I'm not going to check up on you, but if I need to know where you are, yeah, I need to know where exactly. You are. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the future of CarPlay because this was maybe one of the weirdest things I've ever seen at WWDC. And and look, we lived through the WWDC where they had. Uh, you know, announced Iowa seven and they had like remote control cars on the stage. Weird yeah, things have yeah. happened, but they gave a sneak peek of the quote, next generation of car play. So if we, we, if we rewind a little bit, talking about this integration that's happening in cars where the infotainment HVAC, all this stuff is, is being integrated into the screen, right? It's not just Tesla. Tesla doesn't even support car play, which is a giant bummer. But yeah. if you, uh, for instance, like I know like the Ford uh, Mustang Mach-E and the Ford F-150 Lightning and a bunch of other cars. Subaru's done this too. A bunch of them have these big screens that everything is on there. Yeah. Well, it runs Apple and CarPlay. They have a risk of being pushed out of the infotainment screen in the future if it all becomes one big thing, right? And it's a way for manufacturers to elbow their way back in. You know, it's not like our van where it's like, I can hit a button and I'm out of toy to land completely. I never want to go there again. I want to stay yeah. in the, you know, the warm embrace car play. So you have that, that sort of threat to car play out there on the horizon. Uh, you also have the fact that more and more just regular cars, when I mean, you go buy like a 
a regular car, not even, you know, a fancy BMW with a car key. Gauge clusters have become screens. Uh, screens have become bigger, more diverse in size and capability. I mean, you buy a new Escalade and it's like 54 inches of screen. Like it's from like the driver door all the way over and it's subdivided to different things. Uh, where does CarPlay live in that? Is CarPlay going to be siloed off into a little rectangle somewhere? Apple doesn't want that. And so this quote next gen CarPlay, the idea is that CarPlay can take over every screen in the car. And to do that, CarPlay has to integrate with the car's computer. You know, cars are networks, right? You have all these modules talking on the CAN bus, like all this, all this data flowing everywhere. And CarPlay to survive and to thrive in this new era is going to need things like odometer and speedometer information. It's going to need to know your fuel level. If you are in a internal combustion engine car or an electric vehicle, it's going to need drivetrain information. You know, what's the engine temperature? What's the RPM? You know, what's tire pressure? All the stuff people have now, you know, it, the cars that you and I drive, those things are very separate worlds, right? Like my Sony head unit doesn't know it's in a Toyota. Like it, it has no idea, right? It's complete. And, and the Toyota doesn't know anything about CarPlay, right? It's separate systems. They do not talk to each other. And as these things become integrated, this new version of CarPlay is going to adopt more of what the car is doing and be able to display that in its own user interface. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've had a lot of time to think about this since, since they announced it. And, it's so weird that Apple announced this because here's Apple, a company that never sneak peeks anything. I mean, it's like every fiber of their being is to not sneak peek anything. So why does Apple get on stage and share this? Um, and I, I think the real reason is they want to gin up consumer demand for it. They yeah. need ammunition when they go to these car companies, Right. And by getting it out there, then people start saying, oh, yeah, I want that in my car for sure. And that gives them the ability to go to Ford and Toyota and say, okay, now you need to give us the rest of your dashboard. I, I think there's something going on behind the scenes with all of this. But honestly, I would prefer Apple to, t to control those screens over Ford and Toyota. Yeah, yeah, me too. And I, I think that uh, that it's, it's just in addition to consumer demand. I think it's also like, hey, car manufacturers, we're we're going to do this, right? And there's this there's this hilarious Verge article. It's in the show notes. So in that presentation, they had a slide of all these car logos. Like, oh, we're talking with all these companies. And so the Verge went out and talked to all those car companies and got no concrete word from any of them that this is happening. Now, my guess is that they've signed NDAs, right? And they're not yeah. going to tell the Verge that, oh, hey, yeah, we're going to support CarPlay 2.0 or whatever. Um, and I think it's going to be like all this other stuff. It's going to come at the high end first. You know, you're going to be able to get in a BMW or a Ferrari before you get it in the Fords and Toyotas that, you know, <laughs> the rest of us drive. But eventually, I do think that this move is an important one. And we can quibble over some of the design stuff in their slides. Some of it was truly bizarre. But this idea that CarPlay graduates from basically a rectangle to any screen in the car customizable widget. So part of the system is, you know what? Actually, and you can do this now in a lot of uh, digital gauge clusters where I watch a lot of car reviews and I just, I'm very excited sure. to talk about cars or Mac power users. 
but a lot of cars have different drive modes. The gauge cluster will change. So if you're in eco mode, you know, maybe it shows certain things, but if you're in track mode, you know, the, um, the speed, the speedometer gets big, you know, the, uh, your, uh, your, your RPM readout, all that is, you know, really big and water temperature, all that stuff that you need. Um, and I could see a world where Apple could adopt some of that. Or if you're like me and you live in a part of the country, like I do, you know what? I would want weather visible all the time. Maybe not a radar, but like, yeah, actually over here on the left, let me bring a weather widget over there. And maybe I don't need some of this other stuff. And putting that customization in the hands of users is good. Now, Apple's going to need to greatly, uh, <laughs> they're going to need to really work on their interface for that customization because what they have now will not scale to this at all. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's about, you know, getting OEMs, getting consumers, getting everybody uh, moving forward on this. And they say it's going to come out as early as this year. You know, we'll see. CarPlay took a long time. I mean, major manufacturers just jumped on with CarPlay in the last few years. I mean, if your daughter bought a new Toyota five years ago, it's not a promise it would have CarPlay, right? Uh, it's taken time. This will be the same thing. But Apple's pitching their vision of the future, and I'm here for it. I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah, and, and you know, interestingly, in her car, that, cause that's the only new car I've been in recently, it drives uh, CarPlay directions to the central cluster because it yeah. has a, a screen in front, and it tells you the next turn. I, I don't think it's real. I think it's a, a line of text maybe, but the – um. But, you know, this is happening to a certain degree already. But what they're talking about is just like a full takeover, you know, Apple designed odometer, you know, Apple designed exactly. speedometer. Yeah. And uh, I, I hope it comes. I, I, you know what? I don't even know. It's going to come, I'm sure. And uh, but I hope it comes here soon and it's good. But, well, you know, we'll we'll see. Cars, man. Car- and look. Apple could be building a car. We're not even going to go down that road today. It's another yeah. car pun, oh, but boy. that's out oh, there boy. too. Uh, you know, on that. Oh no. Are you like going to get in line and buy an Apple car? No. I don't think, well, who knows? I would really prefer they spend their time and attention on other things, but that's me too. Me. Um, I'm also, uh, I mean, people can make fun of me, but like I'm pretty much a pickup truck person now. I think sure. I always was and just didn't know it. I don't think Apple's going to make a pickup truck anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I live um, where I live is the Rivian company is located in Orange County. Yeah, man. They're so cool. They're everywhere. They're just everywhere. I really, I've got a friend with one. He doesn't live here. He lives in Utah, but uh, there are a few in town. Every time I see one, I'm like, Oh, hello you. Yeah. They're, they're everywhere here. But yeah, I, like I said, I am not a big car person, but I am, I like technology in cars. So this show is a, this is, this is my wheelhouse for cars. Ah, and, um, and, uh, you know, getting back to the top of there, did Apple deliver the goods? Do have they created an interface system that gets you the benefits of your phone, but makes you safer? Yeah, I think they have. Yeah, me, I agree. I think they, they, they've done, they've done a great job of it. And I think they've made the right calls. Um, if Siri were better, this whole system would be a lot easier to use. And, uh, I think that's where they need to improve. I mean, Siri needs to improve across the board, but CarPlay is one place where uh, every penny you put in the Siri is worth it. And uh, but overall, I think you know, connecting my phone to uh, my CarPlay and sticking it in my little glove box has made me a safer driver, and and also a more well-informed driver. So I'm I'm all in, and I hope Apple keeps it up. And uh, 
this won't be the last time we talk about it on the show, but I'm really glad we finally got around to giving CarPlay an episode. Me too. We want to thank our sponsors today. as our friends over at 1Password and Rocket Money, and we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us at relay.fm slash MPU. Check out our forums over at talk.macpowerusers.com. Hey, if you're a deep uh, CarPlay user, if you've got a, one of these keys, uh, let us know. We'd love to hear about it, and uh, we'll add it to the feedback outline. We also have that new feedback line, like Stephen was talking about at the beginning. You can find that at www.relay.fm slash MPU slash feedback. Man, how long has it been since I said www on a podcast? I liked it. I, I yeah, like the man. formality of it. That was old school, baby. Old school. <laughs> you want to get on the anyway. information super highway. That's so many yes. car jokes. Yes. I'm so sorry. And you can use your um you can use your Earthlink net or your <laughs> AOL and go there. If my if my website loads an AOL, I would be shocked. Yeah. Is AOL even a thing anymore? I, I don't even unknown. know if it exists. Yes. Don't want to know. Either way, we're the Mac Power Users. Thanks for listening. We always appreciate you uh, listening to the show, and we'll see you next time.